Welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czarist Podcast, and we're your host tonight, Nate and Thomas, the paranoid motherfucking American. Yeah, yeah, that's still me. And we have the great Chris Matthew on. Talk about his new documentary, man. Gentlemen, thank you so much for having me back on again. Always a fantabulous conversation. Looking forward to getting weird with you guys. I always love getting weird with you, Chris. <laughs> yes, it's the How you been, dude? I can't complain, man. Like I was saying earlier, I'm super busy, but it is all surreal and really good stuff happening. And we've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline and just excited about what's going on. This uh, this whole docuseries thing is a, a whole new type of uh, realm for us here. And so far, it's getting good reviews and people are excited about it and, and enjoying it. So can't wait to see what comes out of it and can't wait to talk with you guys. Heck yeah, I'm man. excited too because you mentioned that you've got some some distribution outside of just pumping it through social media, right? I did, yes, and uh, this is something that I wasn't necessarily expecting, but whenever the opportunity came up to get it to submit it, I did, and I was shocked that uh, you know it got such a, a a great response. This is my first time at any type of feature film. And, um, yeah, so hopefully within the next couple of weeks, we still have to submit it, but from what I am being told, it looks like it'll probably pass all the, the markers and be able to get submitted to like Amazon, possibly Hulu, Freevee, Tubi, all those little apps that you watch your cheesy type of documentaries on like mine will be, and you get to enjoy it there. So we're, you know, stoked about that. Hell yeah. Well, and beyond that, dude, I think the most exciting part is that now it's in front of normies, right? Because yes, like there's there's an algorithm for all those things, but there's also the people that have already watched every single paranormal documentary on one of those platforms that you're never going to reach through social media, and now mm. bam, you've got it in front of this much wider. I don't know. That's it's so exciting to figure out how to get normies to watch some of this media. You know, what I mean? it is, and I figured that. Th- at least these first few episodes regarding Louisiana are going to be safe enough to where it shouldn't be a problem getting anything, any of the information submitted. I can't say that all this, the episodes will always be that way. I mean, this is forbidden knowledge news, so we never know what's going to come up and if we might, uh, if we might ruffle some feathers out there with some things, but so far it's pretty, it's pretty family friend friendly for the most part and safe. And, and it's a fun documentary and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I think that once uh, once we get a, a kind of flow going with all of this, we'll be able to do probably about four, three or four episodes, maybe five, six episodes a year. Dude, so what have you learned? Was there anything new that you came across that totally blew your mind when you were doing this? Yeah, lots of stuff, man. Whenever I was growing up in Louisiana, I had no idea about the the true hidden history, about the depths of the paranormal phenomena that that occurs there. I've heard of 
things like the Rougarou, which is also AKA dog man or like a werewolf. And these were just cautionary tales you'd hear as a kid, you know, you masturbate too much. The Rougarou is going to come and eat you or something like that. So it was, it was just you really told stories like not that necessarily <laughs> masturbating, but you know, you indulge too much. The Rougarou I'm, gl I'm actually glad that you, you opened up with that because we were recently having a conversation that, there's been Bigfoot dong sightings, but nobody <laughs> seems to have mentioned seeing dog the dog man. man's dick. So ah, just, well, just curious, or just putting it out there. If anyone, well, I did. A, I actually or... did a whole show with Juan. You were talking about Juan Ayala earlier. Did a whole show talking about dog man dong for some reason with him. Okay. So <laughs> we got he's, into dude, that. He's just bit. taking it and flopping that thing <laughs> he, all over everybody, isn't he? Yeah, man. He's he's really interested in the dog dick thing. So <laughs> I indulged him a little bit, and we. <laughs> We got into that, but no, yeah, you're right. I don't think it's, uh, I think he's more timid about uh, flaunting his stuff than Big Bigfoot's apparently got a, a pendulous, pendulous dong and he's proud of that thing. So, you know, but yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know half the high, the high, strange, crazy stuff going on in my own home state till I started this, this document, this area of the documentary and this is going to be my first it's going to go by season the first season is going to be louisiana i figured what better place to cover than my home state where i grew up and be able to learn a little bit more about the hidden history myself and one of the most incredible things i learned about was the the age of some of the prehistoric and megalithic sites known as the mounds. And these mounds are, can be found across the Americas and they, they look like pretty simple structures, little hills are truncated type of pyramids, but there is such a fascinating history behind this and what we understand as the mound builders. And I had Dr. Gregory little on to talk about it. I had Adam Stokes, and we got deep into some new discoveries about the age of some of these locations and the possibilities of who these mound builders were. And there's some fascinating possibilities surrounding that. The One of the most incredible discoveries was actually made last year in 2022. And you don't hear anything. You don't, you're never going to hear anything about this in your news. I don't know if there were any maybe there are one or two articles written about this, but you don't hear archeologists talking about well, this. a lot of people don't even talk about mound builders period, just right, in, in right. any context. And that, and that for anyone that's not aware, I'm sure most people listen to this probably have heard about mound builders before, but it's, it's a civilization that predates even what we would consider the native Americans in America, that yeah. some of the original native American sites, they simply built on top of these mound builder sites because they were already there and no one really knows necessarily definitively who the mound builders were, when they came here, how old they are. But your documentary touches on some of that. And this is one of my like absolute favorite fascinations because, you know, Paranoid American, like this is an American ancient history. Like all the other ancient history theories, they're talking about Greece, they're talking about Atlantis, you got to go to Europe. But like we're talking right here in our country where people you can drive you know, 15 minutes in any direction, I'm guessing, and probably hit a McDonald's or a gas station. Uh, yeah. But it also is like maybe the birth of a whole entire concept of civilization. Well, there's so much fascinating information and evidence coming out about what was in the Americas. 
long before Columbus came along. And even before, like you said, the Native Americans, there's evidence that we had this global civilization that were very advanced in some ways, especially the ways that they constructed. And these mound builders, the mounds themselves may have been prototypes for things like the Great Pyramids. And these were global advanced maritime civilizations that had access to traverse the globe over, you know, over the oceans. They, they had great uh, navigation abilities and great construction abilities. And one of the most interesting aspects about all of that is throughout many of the mounds, the, through the mainstream says that the Smithsonian excavated a lot of these mounds and found a few tall skeletons and they go as far as saying yeah maybe six to seven and a half feet tall but if you look at the local newspaper articles at the time throughout the united states when these mounds were being excavated by private and independent interests they were reporting skeletons up to 10 to 15 foot long in some of these mounds so that leads to speculation of were these burial mounds for for giants, what we would consider Nephilim, and who were these Nephilim? Who were these giants? Were they the rulers of the people at the time? Were was everyone during this time period just a lot larger, including all the animals and everything, every person that was existing in the civilization, just a lot taller? It's possible, you know, it's possible that we could have lived in, in a much different atmosphere that would allow these that that would allow humanity to grow that much taller, but. The evidence of what was buried in these mounds, of course, was covered up by the, the Smithsonian on a large scale. And when they're unable, most of them are unable to be excavated now, but there's been so much disrespect and intrusion over the years. A lot of these mounds have just been turned into fucking golf courses. So it is the, the main discovery that's recently been made. I want to get back to that back in 2022 about the age of these mounds is that it shows evidence that these civilizations were building these over 11,000 years ago in Louisiana. So that that's crazy that they had advanced civilizations what we would what we would probably think about when we think about the pre-dynastic Egyptians in the United States probably uh probably inhabiting many areas of the United States. Well, there was that article that I just sent you before we started recording. They were talking about maybe the oldest known civilization on the planet was just discovered here in Oregon. And they're talking about like uh, digging up like tools and different like things that are 18,000 years old. Which is pretty fucking interesting. But I mean, even that is like Geobecula Tepe is what's supposed to be like 30,000 plus, right? Or 13,000. Yeah, it's supposed to be somewhere between the... 11 to 13 ish thousand okay. range which is also the the age that they're starting to find these mounds also in south america but the oldest that they found so far is in louisiana they used to think it was in poverty point louisiana which is a very impressive location the shell middens that adorned it are extremely impressive in the way that they're constructed on there. And they thought this was the oldest, which is about like 10,000 years old, 9,000. But the ones at LSU campus is the ones they recently excavated. And those are the ones that they found out 
that were over 11,000 years old. And I went visit these whenever I was down there and got some footage of these. And they just look like, you know, two beautiful breastuses coming out of the ground. <laughs> but it, it also just looks like, uh, like, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not trying to be uh, like uh, derogatory towards them at all, but it, but from the footage, it looks like you could just drive by and assume it's like a landfill or like a little miniature yeah. landfill. It's just got a little black fence around it, and that's kind of it, right? Yeah. Uh, which is weird because, you know, all of these same excavation sites that would be, you know, considered ancient history in other areas, you know, they're kind of venerated, and it's like you got to pay to get in or at least, you know, and this one's just like in the middle of a campus, right? Yeah, yeah. And these mounds were... Like I said earlier, they could have been burial mounds, but there's also evidence that these, the truncated mounds were used for astrological alignment purposes, which also shows evidence that these, these beings, these, whoever they were, the mound builders had extremely advanced knowledge of the stars and how to read astrological alignments. And it also adds to the evidence of the possibility that we used to have not only this global civilization, but there was a global understanding of this spiritual concept of astrotheology and how it relates to the stars and our reality. And this was like the one true religion back then is just having an understanding of the stars, like a farmer's almanac, basically. Yeah, that's fascinating, man. I mean, I absolutely love the idea of the Americas being the old world. I'm obsessed with that idea. And I, I mean, more, that more all evidence goes coming. To, yeah, yeah, absolutely, dude. And I, I love the stories about the Native Americans. Uh, there's Native American stories where they talk about these big redheaded giants that they would fight with uh, because these reds were, you know, supposedly taking their women, uh, eating people. They were like cannibals and they were supposed to be the mound builders. That was that story, these big giants. And the Indians eventually had to fight them off and kill them all uh, because they were uh, doing such terrible things. Um, mm. It's, it's a really interesting story and I really dig it, man. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and so it would make sense that like where these mounds were, uh, they're finding all these gigantic skeletons. Are these the Denovians? Is that how you pronounce that? The, the, the Dennis, Dennis, Denisovans, the Denisovans, Den I believe. Denisovans. Yeah, that's that's what Dr. Greg Little calls him. And he believes that they are, you know, a subspecies of humanoid that were very large, not necessarily the same as what we would consider modern Homo sapiens sapien. But in my doc, it kind of segues into the possibilities of if there are remnants of some of these giants that are still around and maybe what we consider as Bigfoot could be some of these, the ancestors of these giants. Maybe they just adapted a little bit. Maybe they grew some more hair. Maybe they always had that much hair. We, we don't know, but I had Tony Merkel on and he said that he had a couple of, uh, either fishermen or hunters that were in Louisiana and they were exploring an area after one of the recent hurricanes opened up a channel back there. And he swears to God that these dudes said they saw over the tree line about 15, almost 20 foot high, a giant dude looking behind the tree at them, like checking them out. And they saw him and of course they, they took off. But in these same swamps, there is like, there is families and legions, uh, I understand, of Bigfoot creatures. We actually talked to Tommy Chong today 
who yeah. said that he had um like some really convincing bigfoot story where like a, a lumberjack or like a logger who knew the land and has, had been working the land forever and i think this was in british columbia somewhere mm-hmm. and that yeah that like legitimately all the people that saw it ran because they were like oh my god that's kind of a bigfoot and then <laughs> what me and nate have been digging in this bigfoot too and there's even memoirs from theodore roosevelt recounting his own stories that he had heard from people that he trusted about seeing this one was like a red-haired frenzied wild man uh and it's it, i don't know just it's so interesting to hear the same exact stories repeated from so many different people and it's always in these really rural areas where humans are seem to be just kind of dipping their toes in and like uh like i'm also just like nate fascinated with america's maybe being part of that old world or the old world Uh, and it's not just because you know we're americans and you know whatever like we want it to to happen somewhere near us but it's because (laughs) we've had the least amount of time to explore this continent compared to how long you know we've been exploring all the other continents at least in terms of excavating and looking for really ancient you know civilizations right right now it's almost like pseudo or like um paranormal area like look where we're at talking about it and even look where you know all of the graham hancock stuff it kind of gets pushed off to this um this like fringe science side of like death rays and mind control and time travel right but I mean, yeah. once people start taking it seriously, we might actually discover some incredible groundbreaking things that are happening right around here. And everyone else has had like a thousand year head start on us. Well, there's also the like the Truman Show aspect of that to where we're being told that we've already explored everything. There's nothing else to see here. We've already done this. We've already seen that. Just go home, watch your TV, watch your sports ball, and we will do the exploring and we'll tell you what's out there. So don't tell worry about it. Tell that to the Titan it. dudes. Tell that to the Titan dudes, dude. <laughs> right? Yeah, man. Yeah, so there's this 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 idea that we've already done and seen it all, and now we just, you know, we humanity has reached its pinnacle in exploration of our planet. So we have to, you know, start exploring the stars. Of course, we're going to Mars. Let's skip over the moon. You know, we don't need to get back there or anything or perfect that. Let's skip over that. The moon is so 1960s. Yeah, you know, forget about all that. And the oceans, we how much of the oceans have we even explored? Like a tiny, minute amount. So there is so much just right here surrounding us. And if you consider the concept of possibility of like an ice wall and other continents and shit that we can't access, shit, man, there's just so many do you, possibilities. Do you believe in infinite land? I, I, love the, I love the concept, man. I don't know. I don't believe have in you, anything. Have but... you met anyone that believes it, or does everyone just like the idea of it? I don't, I don't think I've met anyone who truly believes well, I might have. I think, I think Hibbler. I've had Hibbler on the show, and he truly believes that shit. But... We asked Hibbler. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like he pretty much believes yeah. it, but yeah. So I don't know, man. It's an interesting. It's a fun concept to consider for sure. So I was tangent. I'm just I'm, I'm obsessed with that particular aspect of Tartaria. And and actually to, to mention the whole uh or I guess flat earth Tartaria to, don't go hand in hand, but you were mentioning this ancient civilization that's maybe been kept out of education and history books. So I gotta ask, are, is there overlap between Tartaria and the mound builders? Oh, there's, is... there's 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 some kind of hidden lost history in Louisiana that I've seen that 
there's evidence of sophisticated construction. There's evidence of like this, this buried type of building things. There's evidence of very elaborate cathedrals that shouldn't, that don't fit with anything else in the area. So there's some things that I look at that makes me wonder if we could have had like a completely different civilization than a reset and everything was covered up somehow. There's, there's, there are plenty of those aspects that I've taken a look at in Louisiana and might include some of that in the uh, third episode if I can come up with a little bit more, a little bit more substance to it. But uh, it's interesting, definitely. Yeah, it's super fascinating, man. I, I love this stuff. Like, we're planning a, a, a Tartary episode right now. We're trying to get everybody, we're trying to get schedules. Uh, but man, just the, the whole, I love the idea of the whole, uh, let's say these are a bunch of just like pioneers and lumberjacks and all these like, you know, these folks um, that just landed somewhere in the middle of the country or even in California. Right. And where, and they claim that they'd only been there for like 10 years. And then there's these elaborate, basically palaces that they've made for the state capitals. And people are like, how do they get the resources for that? Where the fuck did they get the marble? How did they like, they spent, this is really what they spent their time on. Like building this uh, immaculate palace. Like, these guys have been here for fucking 10 years and this is what they like. They're barely surviving, you know? And it, it, so I love that idea of these old world that we find these buildings and that we occupy them basically. And we occult them and we're like, Oh yeah, we did this. Mm -hmm. It's like that meme. Like when somebody hands you them, I did this, you know, that um, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's fascinating, dude. And it, I do really, really dig that aspect of it. I just think the whole name Tartaria is a fucking giant psyop because it has something to do with like somewhere in the middle of Russia. That's not necessarily Mongolia, but <laughs> sorta. And like, and you're like, and how is this connected to what's going on over here? Like to me, it's just, it's an occulting of history. And that's what fascinates me. And I really did get super into Tartaria and I started believing some kooky shit. Like I started to jump down from all kinds of crazy rabbit Every mountain was a building, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Every yeah. fucking, yeah. Yeah, I just love it, dude. It's 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 interesting shit. It is, yeah. And uh, going back to what uh, Thomas was saying earlier about these later civilizations that find these advanced megalithic sites and constructions, and maybe they no, have no, portions of this. What's that? There you go. You, 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 uh, Blinked out I was breaking it. Like, oh, okay. Right well, yeah. So, started talking. So just say it again. <laughs> so they, what's interesting that you were saying earlier, Thomas, is how they have these later civilizations that come along and try and recreate the advanced megalithic construction methods that they that they see. Maybe they have remnants of a very advanced building, and they're trying to to build it and complete it, or trying to mimic what they 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 saw before but it's never the same and it usually just muddles what the real construction was and makes it harder to tell how what the civilization was trying to to portray with its construction methods and you see that also in Peru with a lot of the polygonal original very precise cutting and construction and then you see the Maya come along later and just try and reproduce it and it doesn't look the same and it's nowhere near as precise so we can tell that way before that there was possibly some sort of like cataclysm or event that reset our planet and we did have to start over, but we didn't have the same knowledge of how to recreate some of that stuff. 
Yeah, I think that the it was. I'm just gonna make up uh, dates here because I really have no idea. But it was like uh, the year like 1100 or 1200, where someone uncovered all of these old architectural books that described how to create like the flying buttresses and and all of these like very intricate ways of putting up you know masonry and buildings and foundations. And that if someone had not found that text material and then been able to translate it, we might even to this day might not still have some of the same architectural principles discovered until much, much later, which kind of offsets all of the other discoveries that we would have made that are kind of like built on top of that. And that's it's so fragile. There's there's um, a, this concept of like, what if humans lost the ability to have language? You know, the, the Tower of Babylon happens all over again. The amount of time it would take to develop a written and a spoken word that could apply across, you know, countries, regions, cultures, uh, and then last for millennia. It, it's something that I think that, you know, might have taken humanity such a long time to get to that point. And if anything, reset us back to where, you know, everyone being born doesn't even have a language or have anything written, anything to go off of, like intuition will get you to like oh i have to kill that thing and eat it maybe you know what i mean but yeah it's gonna be a long time and even if you make yourself all the way back up to that time you know there's no telling that you're gonna to cover all that same ground so um yeah it had to happen countless times man what there's this there's this really interesting dynamic that one of my my friends that i do a podcast with uh in japan and we were talking about this how like the Catholic church and a lot of other Western sort of religions, they'll take over a little spot. They'll knock it down. They'll rebuild it. And then like you have all these old churches and all these old buildings that people keep trying to preserve and like the Notre Dame, for example. But the problem, just like what you're saying, Chris, is that when you try to rebuild the thing after it's been there for so long, you might not have the same knowledge and resources and everything else in order to recreate it. So every recreation is slightly different. And if, if anything, they almost become inferior over time. But the contrast is that in Japan, a lot of those old temples, they intentionally knock them down and rebuild them constantly. You know, like they don't wait for a hundred years to go by. And the trade-off is that you don't necessarily have the exact same material and like the wood and the, and the bricks and everything that have been there for hundreds of years, but you have a, an almost identical recreation of what it looked like hundreds and hundreds of years ago um, today, because it's like all new material. So it's, it's, it's interesting trade-off where like, would you rather your stuff be super old and antique? And like, that's the actual chair that that guy sat in. Or would you rather it be like an honest recreation, but that constantly has to be redone? So it's like almost like the what is it, the, the ship of Theseus, where like once you replace all the planks of wood, is it the same temple anymore? Versus mm. if you leave them all there and preserve them. Yeah, man. I, I wonder if the knowledge we have not only of construction methods and advanced building techniques, but just the technology we have in general. It seems like We've had great advancements in technology, and some of it helps humanity a bit, but we, do, we don't have anything on a large scale that really benefits humanity or is pushing us to the next level. We have technology that us allows us to be distracted, to be entertained, to be controlled in some aspects, but not to actually propel humanity to the next stage or evolve us, and I think that's... That's all by design. 
And I think that if we, if we could understand what happened and what we used to be before whatever cataclysm that we could have a much more efficient way of producing technology and living. But I think this is all intentionally hidden because we had some advantageous groups of people that may have been aware of the cataclysm and been ahead of everything and knew that they had to restart humanity and they would do it in the way that would keep us under complete control. Right. Does that mean that they've got like the secret cheat codes and magical spells and stuff? I don't know. It could, man. You've uh, you talked to uh, Jason from Arche Archaics yet? Uh, I don't know if we have. Mm. Now he's got some interesting. <laughs> he's got some interesting stuff. He talks about the possibility of a Phoenix event to where there are these cyclical resets that are caused by a basically a reset of the simulation where it's a clean slate wipe, but it only affects certain areas and some things are left behind, but it's very interesting. If you go to his channel archaics and I've had him on a couple of times, he's got some very interesting theories surrounding that whole reset thing. Yeah. We just talked to him. Yeah. Oh, reach out to him. Oh, cool, man. Uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about Bigfoot, man. Let's talk a little bit oh, more yeah. about some cryptids and Bigfoots and some different stuff that you learned down oh, there. Yeah. We, uh, you got together with Scott Pace. I'm jealous. I want to hang out with Scott. I saw that. And, <laughs> Scott's uh, great, man. Yes, dude. Uh, you, 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 you guys get to go before. on a hunt together. We did. Yeah, he even brought his. Uh, yeah. He brought a gun with him. He. We went on a gunpoint led little adventure through the swamps. Uh, we took a little. I don't know what kind of boat we took out there, but it was fun as hell. He was showing me some possible footprints and impressions and areas where Bigfoot could be. Uh, but that was fun, man. That was, that was super fun. But Scott, if, if the audience isn't familiar, he's just a, your regular Louisiana resident. He's a hunter. He's a, a good old boy. He's the nicest, nicest guy you could ever meet. And he, before he had these experiences, he wasn't interested in this stuff. He wasn't trying to look for notoriety. He's, you know, he believes, he truly believes these experiences happen. I believe these, that something definitely has happened to this man. And from his recall, it's incredible. Some of the stories. And did, did we talk about this last time I was on? Did we talk about Scott's, uh, cause I don't want to repeat anything. I don't know. I mean, I th I think we've had Scott on here. We've talked about Scott. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll just yeah. give a uh, uh, just a brief recap of what he talked about as far as when he was uh, when I was interviewing him for the this particular episode. He went over his first experiences, what I'm sure, which I'm sure he told here, where he saw a Bigfoot and a Dogman. They started psychically communicating with him. Dogman says he's going to go tear him apart. Bigfoot's speaks with dog man says no don't do that he's not trying to hurt us crazy event well he believes that this experience opened up something in his mind because they were tele telepathically communicating with him and he, this is after that event he he op his mind opened up his consciousness opened up to all kinds of other very strange happenings that started occurring to him he started having he, he said he started having Bigfoots enter his house. He start he would smell them. He would see footprints and indentions. He saw he saw them looking through his windows at time. 
and they evolved into experiences with other types of beings that were in these surrounding swamps. Some of them he calls little forest people, which are the most incredibly terrifying things that I've ever heard described in my life. He said they have like kaleidoscope eyes that spin. And when you see them at night, you see these different colors spinning, looking like kaleidoscope eyes in the trees and coming out of the ground and all over the place. And he said that he did when he sees, when he saw these creatures, he described them as a very small, hairy humanoid about four to five foot tall with black skin and they're often seen in same areas with the what he says they're sasquatch or bigfoot and i don't know if there's any relation to the if they're like little bigfoots or little baby bigfoots or what but the way he described they sound a little different especially when he describes the eye shine from these creatures and yeah, he man. He became even more interested in what was happening because these experiences started picking up. So he started making friends online with other people who has had these experiences. He went to Nebraska to meet a tribal leader who claims to have befriended the forest people, which he calls him, and has frequent communication, telepathic communication with some of these beings. And they went out and tried to make contact with one that they call Stevie Wonder. They call this Bigfoot Stevie Wonder because every time they see him, he's swinging behind the trees and dancing like Stevie Wonder when he pokes his head out and looks at them. And Scott has actually seen these creatures. He said it's very hard to actually spot them, but they do make themselves visible at times. But he said most of the time when you see them, they are like you looking at the Predator when you if you remember the Predator movie, they're like this shimmer type thing, or they're just a shadow, or you just he just hears them speaking in his mind and he doesn't see them at all, but he knows that they're around because they, they now communicate with him. He doesn't know why they feel like they're able to communicate with him now. But uh, he says that he gets multiple levels of communication from different beings when he goes out there. And this one time they were going to try and make contact with Stevie wonder, the Bigfoot. And they did. And Scott being the church going God fearing man that he is for some reason, he starts bringing his Bible to these outings and quoting Bible verses to the, the Bigfoot creatures and evangelize the Bigfoot. Yes. He's, and he also starts singing. He starts singing gospel hymns to them. Well, the crazy part is he says that the, 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 the creatures enjoy it. They will like telepathically acknowledge, yes, this is good. Keep going. We like this. And one day he was singing some gospel verses to Stevie Wonder. And he says on each side of this Bigfoot, there were these, this mist started like coming out of the ground and dancing like snake, like snake, you were charming a snake. And they formed into these physical Forest creatures, these little people, the, the the mist formed into a physical little people and they were dancing to the gospel hymn. This sounds like the ravings of a lunatic, but he, swear, he swears this is really happening. Well, so I, I got to ask two obvious questions. Yeah. Uh, one after the other. One, this is an obvious one. Did he get any of this on video? And two, why not? <laughs> he did, but it's, of course, always 
fucking blurry. You can't tell yeah. what he's got in any of these. There's a couple where it's like, huh, that looks maybe interesting, but they're always too blurry to tell what the hell it is. Now, he does have one Can that we get looks him like, like a GoFundMe and just get him like a 4K camera and just. <laughs> I don't know if that happen. works, man. I don't. I think that I don't thing, think it does. I, I don't think it works <laughs> for some so reason. It's so it convenient. is, isn't it? But he does <laughs> well, have a very interesting picture of a large black hand that he claims. The, he was sitting in his truck and he said a Bigfoot tried to grab his cell phone out of his hand while he was just sitting there and he hurried up and turned and took a picture and you can see this big giant black hand. Uh, you know, iPhone I or know. Android? Uh, I believe it's an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I believe course, it's an iPhone. Bigfoot <laughs> wants that status symbol. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, man, he's... And then the, the experience is just keep getting weirder and weirder and evolving into different types of creatures. Now he's having alien experience he's having extraterrestrial encounters and that started with he would have missing time during the day or the evening and he wouldn't remember anything till next morning he'd wake up and he'd have memories of sometimes being he said he'd be he was being escorted down dark catacombs with seven to eight foot tall gray extraterrestrial beings or mantis type beings and that often they would have a bigfoot accompanying them to whatever location that they were bringing him. He said, the memories are always hazy. They're not always clear. He says at times it seems like they're teaching him something or training him how to fight in some sort of way, which he hasn't elaborated on that yet. He's coming on again in a, a few days to talk about some of his latest experiences, which keep getting weirder and weirder. One of the most incredible that he had in this, he's, he, he had other witnesses that I spoke to that seen that have also seen this. He was in, this was in Louisiana and he was in his truck and they were in a clearing near one of the swamps. And he said they had a beam of light that was coming, just shot down out of the sky and it formed this very bright. He only describes it as like a portal or doorway and six or seven foot tall translucent light beings proceed to step out of the doorway and walk across the clearing in front of his truck down into the swamps. You know, I don't know what to say about that. He has a witness and he's, you know, he's, he's very humble about these experiences. He's not trying to go on and talk to talk shows and all kinds of stuff about this. And he truly believes that he's having these experiences. And the other night, I'm not going to say too much about this one, but he's coming on to talk about it. He said that he woke up to two seven or eight foot tall, blue, very blue, shiny, like bright beings in his room. And they proceeded to have a conversation with him, which we'll get into. <laughs> we'll get into it a few weeks. But so apparently Bigfoot is somehow connected to extraterrestrials. I mean, that, according to these experiences, you're almost preaching to the choir here, man. This, is, <laughs> yeah. this has been like our uh, meat and potatoes for the longest time is that Bigfoot maybe is an alien. Yeah, and maybe right. Is right, a right. ghost and just and, and actually the way that you're describing it right now, it it almost sounds like Bigfoot is the most believable thing that they put in front of you. And then maybe <laughs> if you're like, OK, I'm not going to freak out. I Yeah, like we can do this. Bigfoot might exist. Then they're like, all right, let's show them the aliens. Right. And then it just like keeps getting weirder and weird. All right, show them the little crazy force monsters with kaleidoscope eyes that form out of mist. And <laughs> it might just be like a series of initiations or tests. Um, yeah. If it's the same entity, right? Like if you were a ghost or if you were a true shapeshifter, 
who's to say that a shapeshifter can't turn into mist and then can't turn into like multiple little things so i don't know man it, it fits along with this theory that that nate nate and then like now i'm starting to subscribe to as well <laughs> well is it is it like an overarching trickster intelligence that just resides around us at all times that presents itself in different ways based on our level of awareness or understanding or what we can handle at the time right that's so interesting 100 my money's yeah. on cia still though it's <laughs> yeah baby it's I, got, I got i got a uh, guffy coming on in a couple of weeks to talk about camellio that's gonna be a fun <laughs> uh one thing that scott said that started the line of communication between him and the bigfoots is and he warned me about this because i i actually i talked to scott before i went on my big uh excursion right and he was like if you make eye contact with them this is what changes everything so he says once they made eye contact, there was a, like a link that was connected. And I thought that was just really fascinating, really interesting. Yeah, um, it's, it's like that that type of initiated communication. It, it since, you know, we're not used to normally psychically communicating with each other. Possibly when, if something else initiates that energy to us, maybe it'll pop and open our third eye or something and allow us to immediately have access or it allowed Scott to. Maybe these guys really like Scott. Maybe Scott hasn't been drinking any fluoridated water. Yeah, yeah. Well, or he doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs at all. So, you know, maybe that's appealing as well. Yeah, I love Scott. I end up talking to him on the phone every now and then. We'll, we'll fuck, talk for hours about this stuff. I <laughs> yeah i gotta have him back on the show too i think we were supposed to have him on a couple like three weeks ago and then he had surgery or something like that which was unfair. yeah so i hope scott's doing good and i'm glad scott's doing good i guess you're talking to him so oh yeah he's oh, doing yeah. good uh he's he actually said he's doing better now than ever after this most recent like crazy experience it really like he said it put so many things into perspective about what's happening with him and he's getting a better understanding about all this stuff he he woke up he said he had blue and white orbs flying around his room and his cat was like trying to chase him around and that's when these two very tall blue beings just stepped out of like darkness and started speaking with him which is incredible man I like how he also puts these all into like a biblical perspective because mm. he still has his Christian worldview. And so yeah. all of these different things fit into the Bible for him, which is fascinating. Well, they uh, yeah, can, I, man. It's just yeah. if you look at some of these things, it, it would actually make the Bible make a lot more sense if you look at it in the lens of these interdimensional beings interacting with humanity in some way. Well, I mean, uh, openly in the Bible, they talk about angels coming down to like sit there and like come down and talk to you and things like that. Well, I mean, what are these big blue things that are coming to talk to him in his room? You know, I no idea. I don't know yeah. if it's safe to just immediately assume angels, though. <laughs> just roll with it. Just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, or we're going back to this overarching just consciousness that maybe it's a part of this programming that we're surrounded by if we're in a similar in some sort of simulation and we somehow are tapping into this intelligence or the intelligence maybe decides to initiate contact with us in some way is that us from outside the simulation 
giving us a sign in a way. Maybe we're on the wrong path and we're this is like a video game type situation. And we see that we're fucking up big time in life. We're like, we got to shake this guy right. We got to do something. Bigfoot. Send him a Bigfoot. He's going to talk to Bigfoot and Dogman. And we're going to set his ass straight. And then we're going to send him some aliens if he needs the aliens, you know. And then, because the, usually people have these experiences and their lives like improve uh, incredibly. Like they become spiritual and they do, they start looking true? for all these amazing things. For me, it was like I had I this yeah. show was like my my little garage hobby before I had my experience. And then, you know, everything else happened. It's pretty incredible. Maybe it's the people that don't process it correctly, because I've definitely I, I've definitely heard of folks that had an alien. Uh, well, it was also a different time. Right. Like so if you if you're talking about some folks, that saw like, well, it also depends like, on what kind of alien like, like if people are being taken by the military industrial complex and calling it aliens. I don't think they're going to have a spiritual good experience. You know, if they're, they're having some kind of black ops pulled on them, that might not be your spiritual advancement that you're looking for. But <laughs> you never know. Well, spiritual probing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it is interesting to see that the way most of the guests I've had on that have had profound spiritual experiences, not necessarily even just extraterrestrial, but experiences with something paranormal that they can't ever understand that was a positive experience, not like Satan trying to rape them or anything, but, you know, like you said, angels or benevolent extraterrestrials healing them or showing them information about where they're where they're at in their lives and are any of these number of things these positive experiences that people take and then they change their lives after yeah 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 i mean if they are all different entities and different beings then you'd have to assume that there are some good ones and there are bad ones uh and it, it is funny that a lot of these different creatures are attributed different types of uh like personality traits i guess like i've i've never heard of a friendly dog man dog man like across the board is a piece of shit and yeah scott also said the dog man is somewhat like subservient to the bigfoot in some ways if the bigfoot says something dog man's going to be listening somehow another interesting about the uh the dog man bigfoot whole dynamic thing is that Tony Merkel also was discussing this. Has have you guys talked to Tony at all? No, I I've been thinking about reaching out to him, man. I, I listened to yeah, him. He'd be a great guest. He's, yeah, man, he's got he's got some great stories. Well, he he was telling me one instance where this gentleman claims to enter different realms. It'd be able to uh, enter these different altered states and enter different realms where in these realms there are entities such as Bigfoot and Dogman. And he has initiated some kind of communication with these. Now, this is just according to the dude that was speaking to Tony about his experiences, and I don't even remember his name. But he says, according to this dude that has spoken with supposedly Bigfoot and Dogman, that they are just some sort of shape-shifting humanoids that can shapeshift into anything they want at any given time. And that if they feel like being a Bigfoot, they'll shapeshift into a Bigfoot. If they feel like being a dog man, they'll be a dog man. But there are times where people have witnessed 
Bigfoots that have like a dog man snout or a dog man that kind of looks like a primate in some sort of way. It's like these things tried to morph into something and maybe it was a little hybridization type thing and they morphed into the wrong thing that it's interesting that these, that it could be that Bigfoot is Bigfoot is some sort of lycanthrope as well that knows how to shapeshift. The other school of thought is that these are all some sort of chimeras from ancient civilization type of experimentation that they were mucking with some DNA of some canines, some humans making some, some chimeras together and they, they just set them loose. And that's where we got the Bigfoots and dogmans. I don't know. It's, it's fun. It's interesting to consider. Yeah, where where are you uh, at on it? Like, if if there was a spectrum between can absolutely convinced and you know zero being the there's no way on earth, you know, are you at like a five? Are you at like a nine? No, man, I'm pretty I'm pretty convinced that something's going on. As far as what I if you ask me what the hell's behind it, I could not even begin to tell you. I have theories. One of the biggest one that I consider is just like we were just talking about that there is some sort of overarching intelligence that manifests in f to us in different ways, depending on our level of awareness and what we can handle at the time, whether it is what it, what we would consider separate entities or separate consciousness or just one overarching consciousness. I think that it is some sort of, it, it may be physical in some different reality, but to us, it's some sort of non-corporeal, entity that can manifest physically just depending on what we're ready to handle. And that's just kind of where I'm at. Although, although big, Scott has talked about Bigfoot poop before, and I've, he's shown me pictures of these huge law, like massive elephant logs of poops that didn't look like any other type of animal I've seen. And there's also speculation that, well, there's also evidence of like hair and of course the, the, the feet and stuff that show that these things have some sort of physical attributes, but I've had a couple of other Bigfoot researchers say that there's like a division of like a men in black for Bigfoot that, that these, these lumberjack type dudes will show up after a Bigfoot sighting or experience and say it was a bear and say you didn't see anything and try and cover it up. Or even if there's a Bigfoot body, they will be the ones to go and retrieve the Bigfoot body, dispose of it. So nobody finds it, clean up the Bigfoot poop that there's this like men in black cleanup division of for Bigfoot, which is <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I, but it's, I love it's the idea. You have like uh, these men in black and one's just got like a comically huge. Pooper <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Dan, it's your yeah. turn. Look. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? I felt like I disappeared for half a second. You did for a little bit, but you're back now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. My screen literally just went black. And then, then, it, then I, anyways, uh, I'm glad I'm back. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I've definitely delved into that, uh, that, that theory before for sure, dude. And I, I like the idea too, that some of those men in black also might be somewhat cryptid themselves. Like this whole, like they might be interdimensional creatures too. Um, yeah. I, oh, check this so out. That was, I don't know if I talked with you guys about this. I had Trey Hudson, paranormal investigator on, and did I tell you about the, the men in black experience he had with a woman that pissed all over the floor? Yeah. Okay, I did yeah. tell you about that one. Well, he has a yeah. theory about this that because he 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 actually tried contacting her after that experience because he found 
found out who she was, found out some information, and he contacted this lady. And he said when he talked to her, she didn't remember the experience. She remembered like pulling up. She didn't remember anything else, which maybe shows evidence that it's like a sort of walk-in experience that these people are being. Maybe they're just, you know, normal people going about their lives and all of a sudden they're being inhabited or possessed by an entity that will make them be the men or women in black. Thomas, what's the name of that guy? Agent Smith, like like an agent. Yeah, Smith Smith. in in the Matrix. Yeah. yeah, where he just takes over a body. He can just assume any body there for a minute. I mean, I guess they have to be fake, and maybe she's an NPC. I don't know. Maybe that is the sign of a uh, you are like a soulless, like a manufactured corpse just walking around <laughs> with a computer program running, like algorithm running your body. An NPC, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of terrifying to think that around us at all times could be these people that are just part of the programming. And at any time, if you mess up, Agent Smith is going to show up inside that person and like have a, you know, schizophrenic mental breakdown and stab you or something. Well, do they I mean, they describe that, too, because like you'll be having a conversation with someone and you can tell when it's just like a surfacey, stupid conversation. You're like, oh, this person has absolutely no depth. They don't give a shit. All they care about is like, oh, did you see the new Kim Kardashians? <laughs> oh, Kim is such a bitch. You know, I'm, Jesus Christ, get me out of this situation. Have you read but on like, jury duty? That's like the small talk mm-hmm. that goes on in like jury duty. Oh, my, the American Idol. And you're just like, oh, I my think God. That, that I think that maybe, dude, is why they like do the screening for for jurors. They're looking for real people. <laughs> they don't want real people on the fucking jury. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I don't know, dude. It's it's fascinating, dude. But like, there is they they call it the Agent Smith effect when you like bring up something that's out of the fucking norm. They the NPC they will like lock eyes with like you are not supposed to say that, and they'll like regurgitate the thing well, that was just. I mean, we we heavy. can even say that's going to become a, a reality soon because I mean, this isn't even talking about like being prophetic and like high tech. They've already got. Um, eyeglasses that are starting to have like the ar with the little readouts and like chat gpt built into and stuff so i mean it feels like in the next couple years you might actually have a conversation with someone and as you say like oh you know big you know uh bigfoot and dogman they might just get like a chat gpt notification through like their phone or through their eyeglass that's just like the person that you're talking to is giving you invalid information you know we suggest <laughs> blah, blah, blah. and then with that in there, though, that kind of like has the exact same effect as Agent Smith jumping in and being like, you know, I'm not listening to you right now. But now, like, everyone's just Agent Smith is just like an app that you downloaded voluntarily. Have you guys seen the, the new viral type video of this chick on a plane that is freaking out because she yeah. believes the passenger yeah. next to her isn't real? So have you seen the follow up video? of? She is cute. So there's, there's a there's a follow up video that I don't know how valid any of this is because the video is like a lady that heard from a lady that was on the plane, but that the the lady that's freaking out about the reptilian apparently was like drunk and fell asleep with her AirPods in her ears, and one of the AirPods fell out, and when she woke up, she blamed the guy next to her, and when he was like You're fucking drunk, you know, shut up. I guess then he turned into a reptilian or or so. I mean, that, anyways. I'm not saying I even know what side of it, but that was just an interesting counterpoint to the, you know, there was an actual reptilian on the plane. Yeah, that, I don't know. It's funny, man. Her reaction was hilarious, though. <laughs> and now the memes with the, like, as above, so below 
hand symbols, bro. Like, I, I well, this is not the first time we've heard like shapeshifters on planes for some reason. I wonder if there's something about the altitude that makes the reptilians have to, you know, work harder to stay in their human form. Didn't Jay Z? Yeah. Wouldn't Jay Z on a plane and supposedly he shapeshifted into a tiny reptilian man? <laughs> Uh, I like that they still have to that? fly coach though. Like, like he's just a like a blue collar <laughs> reptilian. They're not like they're not all elite celebrities in Hollywood right. and like royalty. There's actually like the guy at the DMV is actually reptilian, but like he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I figure that. I mean, like they can't all be the elite, right? They yeah, they can't all be Jay Z, yeah. right? <laughs> Yeah, I guess you have that to have manager your, that like, you hated when you worked at McDonald's. You yes, know that one of the big. <laughs> You're outcast of the the reptilian community. Well, I, hey, that's another thing. I talked to a couple of other witnesses in Louisiana that say that they've seen these like crocodile reptilian people in the swamps that like slither around, and when they get out of the waters, they stand on two legs and they have like a crocodile tail and this this fucking elongated snout, and they're humanoids. So that's a you know mate, those would definitely be the outcasts of the reptilian families, fucking gators. I feel like Gator. I wouldn't even want to hang out with gators, even if yeah. I was a humanoid gator. I'd still be like, take me to the humans. <laughs> yeah, there's all kind of crazy stuff that I've found out that supposedly resides in the swamp, and the main one that I had no idea. It's like the it's like the Skinwalker Ranch in of the South. It's like a paranormal Disneyland. Is the UFO sightings are insane in some of those swamplands. And it's not even really considered UFOs. They have these like orbs and anomaly anomalous lights that come out of the swamps. They have what it seems like um this is a kind of creepy one. Natives dancing around a fire. And then when you get to that area, there's nothing there. Things like that happen all the time in the swamps there. Just disembodied voices, apparitions. But the the strangest ones are the lights that follow people around. They've had lights chase people through the swamps like these little orbs about, you know, yay big will show up out of nowhere and start chasing people out of the swamps. And people hear like these very aggressive type of warnings in their head when they when they go to certain areas out there and some people have even passed out from the the crazy energy have you have any either you guys ever been to louisiana i have yeah no you've been to um you've been to like south like new orleans and south of that area yeah i, I lived in new orleans for three months oh right oh so you know okay so you know there is this there's this dense energy that surrounds that whole southern area and i can definitely feel it it's just i don't know if it's just the the below sea level thing the elevation the humidity a combination of all those things but there seems to be this dense energy that just surrounds everything. I believe it's because of the dark energy that was is residual from the dark history, from slavery and everything else that happened there in the plantations and all that. But they will have they have stories of people that visit some of these paranormal hotspots, even some of the mound sightings where the energy will be so off the charts that they just pass out for some reason. And I don't know if it has anything to do with that, but growing up, I had like about 15 of my friends either commit suicide or die of drug overdoses just because they couldn't take living there, which is pretty, pretty dark. 
it's it's a wild part of the country for sure it's unlike any other city that you'll ever go yeah. to any other region i but you said that not the suicide aspect but i could just imagine uh people like passing out day drunk and like oh it's the mounds the mounds <laughs> overwhelmed me it's not this yardstick Full of, yeah you know, no i've witnessed this on a couple of the the you know how they have those cheesy ghost tours uh i think they're those are fun. like they're cheesy they're fun, they're fun yeah. and some of them are super disrespectful too but they're fun but i've witnessed i've been on a couple of these maybe about three or four throughout you know my from the time i was in my 20s and beyond but i've seen like just regular folks that weren't drunk going through some of these places just like drop for some reason and this is a very unusually common thing that i've seen during these ghost tours i'm like what is this part of the like are they staging this but no like the people were really like passing out so i don't know what's going on with that is what's your opinion on um i i don't know if i'm getting this name right madame laveau's uh like voodoo shop is that yeah, she's is she's that gonna like be in a the forest thing or is that like legit it's legit and to an extent she's gonna be a part of part two of my docuseries voodoo's a huge a huge part of the history of Louisiana. And she's one of the main kind of like characters behind that whole voodoo scene. But the most interesting part about her was it's all speculation, whether she really had these abilities or powers or a snake that could read your thoughts and all this crazy shit that was alleged about her. But what was, was real is that she was a brilliant spy and she had all she was using the servants of the elites and politicians and wealthy the the the, the maids and the the people who would work for them to gather information and she would blackmail them and proceed to become very powerful off of the the information and the spy craft and the um blackmail that she had started doing because of her network of spies which were just the servants of the politicians of the time so she that's where she got all of her power and a lot of the unsubstantiated rumors about her being able to read people's minds and her snake being able to get sift out people's secrets well no she was just making friends with all the help and getting them to find out the shit and you know even to the extent of some of the maids would be sleeping with the politicians and she would give them, you know, kickbacks and and money or trade uh, either, you know, Grigri spells or whatever was cool at the time. But she she was a hustler, man. That was that was what she was known for is her spycraft. Hmm. Black magic and blackmail. I guess they like yeah. <laughs> they kind of do <laughs> the same thing, right? Right on. Yeah, yeah. She she gained she gained a lot of power. She actually became very she she's by the end of her life she was running even in the elite circles of the wealthy of the the aristocrats in new orleans which was you know un, unusual for an african-american woman especially during the time so she was an interesting interesting woman for sure <clears throat> i'm i'm curious have, have you ever heard anything about lee harvey oswald and new orleans because he lived there for a while <laughs> he's gonna be Corey Hughes is going to be doing my new my mob section of the uh, of my Louisiana um, occult history. It's going to be going into the next episode. Corey's going to sit down and break down some of the mob history, especially oh, when so it comes cool. to what the uh, involvement in the JFK assassination. Yeah, Jack, Jack Ruby was also in uh, Louisiana. Jack Ruby. Um, 
what is that mob boss's name? Oh my gosh, I can't remember. Um, the big the big mob boss at the Not time. Alone, right? No, I'm I'm gonna have to look up his name because it's gonna drive me. Oh, Carlos Mosella. Yeah, he was the the big mob boss in Louisiana. He was like number two in the whole United States at the time, and he was big a big part of plotting with the JFK assassination. Uh, with uh, uh, eyebrows. God damn, I can't think of any of these people's names right now. Um, Joe Pesci. Yeah, I know you're yeah, talking Joe, about. Yeah, 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 that guy. The actual guy. Uh, I can't remember his real name right I now. I can't remember his name right now either, but he had a lot the of eyebrow guy, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, we're going to go over the mob history, involvement in JFK, some of the darker dealings with politics and stuff like that. And there's some – it's always like New Orleans has been the most corrupt city when it comes to – politics and, and interminglings with organized crime and it still is it's a port city and that's where we get most of the illegal drugs coming into the united states is through the port of new orleans so interesting. very interesting city very interesting uh, more so than like the mexican border i mean i it's it's one of those things that Maybe because it's yeah. one thing you don't hear about. It's such a well-hidden type of thing that only people who are in the know and aware that this this is such a it's a CIA operation that's run out of yeah. that that port there. So it, they, that's where it's easily uh, we easily get all the the drugs uh, smuggled through that port. I think they they use that to go back and forth between Haiti because a lot of mm. the the and and actually. I, and you I think the, you know on... the Mexican thing is yes, a lot of drugs come from there, but that's like a huge psyop to to keep perpetuating the whole border thing and all the bullshit going on there. But most of the drugs, in actuality, is just just coming straight through the the, the port of New American Orleans, borders. just right <laughs> yeah. through through the CIA. So, what were you saying, Thomas? Um. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I was gonna say that. Um. Uh, well, well, first of all, this one's a random one, but I also heard that the Gambino crime family had a presence in New Orleans, but they were like way more under the radar than all of those uh, other families. Um, and and uh, this one, I'm just I'm just curious if you ever heard anything about this, but there's been a few different like fine like large financial institutions, and usually that I've I've had a chance to work with. But it, it has always struck me odd that on like the top level floors and like the CEOs and like the vice president's walls, they always are decked out in like Louisiana purchase um, everything. And it almost feels legitimately like it's like a like a magical incantation or it's like this, uh, you know, it, it would almost be like having a picture of the Last Supper if you were a Christian like on your wall and. I don't know. Like, have you ever heard anything about like the esoteric or um, anything spicy about the Louisiana Purchase? No, I really haven't gotten into any of that. There's some interesting history surrounding what was going on with pirates and the relationships with some of the high-level pirates like Jean Lafitte at the time and our our government and the local government and the national government that was involved with playing both sides of the War of 1812 and all kinds of interesting things going on surrounding that, but not really the, the Louisiana Purchase as of yet. But I'm going to look into that. That's interesting. And, and there's one other really interesting tangent, especially on the JFK one, if you guys go into it, but the... Mm. 
at the time the president of haiti um papa doc i believe his name was he uh no uh papa doc yeah maybe it was papa doc but he claimed to have killed jfk through a voodoo curse because <laughs> the u.s pulled our you you know our financial aid to haiti and he kind of did that in retaliation um and because jack ruby was known to have been going back and forth uh between here and haiti and not just that but there's a guy named george day morgan schilt um who knew jackie kennedy before like back when she even before met uh jfk when it was just jackie beaumont or whatever bouvier um but he also had a huge presence in haiti and it was all under the guise of he was doing like geological surveys and trying to find oil but he was 100 an, another cia operative uh george de morinshill so that so this guy and that guy also knew um jay uh leave harry oswald directly because when lee harvey oswald moved into dallas he was kind of part of the welcoming committee because he also knew russian so he was like hey welcome to town you know i'm gonna help you figure stuff out but this guy is a link between haiti papa doc lee harvey oswald the cia uh jackie kennedy it's just it's crazy that like all of this stuff you know comes together and it happens to be through new orleans and louisiana yeah man you look at, at some of this this history it's it's stranger than fiction a lot of this stuff it's it's completely hard to believe uh but yeah uh as far as the um with with the, the 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 voodoo and and some of the things that I'm covering in there there's still a lot a big portion of the of New Orleans that does like the Haitian community that does practice voodoo and things like that but one of the more interesting things I looked into and that's going to go into one of the upcoming episodes is the weird vampire culture, the underground vampire culture that's in New Orleans. And it's not just the ones that like have these silly erotic clubs that are wearing the vampire teeth and, and dancing with each other homoerotically and they're yeah, called silly until like you've tried it, man. Come on. <laughs> but there's a darker side that I'm looking into. That's going to be going into, I think the third episode that there's a lot of unexplained death surrounding these pop, possibly occult ritual sacrifice. And there's a history of what, people would understand as possible vampire type characters including uh jacques saint germain who spent a few years well supposedly like a year or two in new orleans and they had a lot of missing people surrounding his stint there and supposedly he had invited some girl to his house tried to bite her neck she escaped called the cops when the cops got there he wasn't there but they found clothes from different time periods going back in history for like hundreds of years they find and they like found, some bat poop <laughs> by the windowsill <laughs> <laughs> they found bottles of what they thought were wine at first but it was a whole like a whole area full of bottles of human blood mm -hmm. supposedly so they have those uh those legends and a legend of two brothers and i forget their name i wish i could have had this in front of me but this isn't going to be until a later episode who supposedly were vampires and were luring young women into their their home and again the police came in and busted in one day and found like 40 bodies stuffed throughout different closets and stuff in their home so very dark history surrounding that as well sounds like some nice closet space though 
That is. That's a lot of closet space. <laughs> Do you, um, out of all of the, the haunted places and all the tours and everything that you did when you've, um, you know, going around specifically New Orleans area, is there one that you think is like, this is the one to suggest to people if, if you know, uh, I don't want to say have a good time, but like if there was one that felt the most legit, like, oh, well, yeah, I, if, if I always would be here. I went to the Myrtles. Uh, this isn't in New Orleans. This is kind of near Baton Rouge area. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be one of the most haunted plantations in the United States, if not the most. I spent a night there, but this is a long time ago. And I was I was very drunk and very stoned at the time. And nothing, nothing really happened. But I've seen some incredible pictures just from my friends that have taken pictures of apparitions and anomalous things and have have had incredible experiences at the Myrtles. Uh, another place I enjoy is the St. Louis Cemetery, number one. That's where also where you, you have the Marie Laveau's grave site. But that place has some funky energy as well. I always kind of just feel like I'm being watched when I'm walking through that thing. So and the swamp anywhere, anywhere you go and you just want you, when you get off the grid and you go into the deepest, darkest areas of the swamp, just try going camping out there. Try and spend a night out there <laughs> and not and not get spooked out and freaked out by something, because from every 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 person that I know that has had an experience it's in and an unexplained experience in those areas it's usually when they were out camping at night in the swamps and they saw a ufo a bigfoot a dog man or some other crazy cryptid creature but apparently there's a lot of that shit out there so the swamps are super super creepy to go out to Dude, there's enough like things that I can see with my naked eye in the swamps that would keep me out like, right. like in louisiana there's like pythons you can uh, just stay with the natural and not even get into the supernatural, right? Yeah. 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 They they definitely like I used to I used to wake up to gators in my garage in the morning. I'd go out to, you know, check to check the mail or something, and they'd have a seven to twelve foot gator sitting in my garage because we lived on the edge of a bayou. All kinds of creatures like that in our in waking up in our yard and shit. So good times there. You ever go hunting gator? I have not gone hunting gator. No, I, I I ate gator, but I haven't hunted it yet. Dude, if it was in my garage, I would hit that door. And so oh, my brother did. I was about five or six at the time, but my brother took a shotgun and blew that thing's head off. And uh, about I think we had it for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Any boots come out of that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was tasty, though. <laughs> Deadly tasty. I love it, man. Uh, what are some last things that you want to talk about, man? What are some things that you want to uh, tell our audience uh, about your documentary and uh, give us the, give us a pitch, man. Yeah. Well, go check it out. Uh, I'm assuming you guys will have a link there in the description. You can go to get it at our website, forbiddenknowledge.news. It's going to be an ongoing thing. This is just the first episode of many, 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 many more to come. First season will be occult Louisiana. I've got, believe two more episodes coming out covering Louisiana. This first one, the some of the things we didn't talk about, it also covers the occult history of Mardi Gras. Scott's incredible experiences. It goes a little bit more in depth into that. And we talk about the mound builders and the giants. And in the second episode, like I said, we'll be getting into Louisiana mob history 
we'll be talking about the pirates voodoo marie laveau and some of the other occulted hidden history aspects some of the natives uh slavery <coughs> excuse me and we're gonna dive even deeper into scott's incredible crazy experiences throughout these upcoming two episodes those will be sprinkled in and then after that we're gonna be headed to utah we're gonna head to new mexico and some areas of colorado we're going to focus on extraterrestrial high strangeness and some of the things uh we're gonna spend a few nights on top of the skinwalker ranch property out at ryan burns place see what we can drum up there and then after that we'll probably within you know by the the end of the year we'll be headed towards florida and we'll get some florida high strangeness georgia south carolina some of those areas and we have yet to plan any further than that so far but that's going to keep us pretty occupied for a very long time so Thank you guys again for having me on to talk about this. Uh, we definitely have to do this again soon. Yeah, let me yeah, know man. when you come through Always Florida, man. I will. Yes. Where are you at in Florida again? I'm in Orlando, but I also got family in South Florida. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah, I think we'll be we'll be focusing on Central and like Northern Florida. So I don't know if we're going to get that far south, but we'll see. We'll see. We call it, yeah know. anything above Orlando. We just call that South Georgia, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely want to hit like Casadega and uh, Tallahassee. We're going to hit uh, some of the other areas. It south seems like Saint uh, Augustine is like Saint Augustine. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, a few other places around there, but we're gonna have to i like to speak with the locals and see what they got down there so i like to go to some lesser known type of hot spots as well but yeah so that's uh that's what we got going on and thank you guys again for having me oh yeah man. brother yeah this was a blast thomas do you have any last things you want to plug bro uh yeah actually I, I was talking earlier i think before we started recording but i'm also gonna dip my toe into coming out with some documentaries and my first one is on adrenochrome and it's actually it's it's titled adrenochrome freemasonry and mk ultra and uh and i know how you know uh crazy that sounds maybe not to this audience but to like a normal viewer that might be like all right this one's gonna go off the hook but i promise you that every single connection in this documentary is backed up by scientific papers backed up by like actual connections and i show every single one i show the names i show the dates that even the most skeptic, you know, your uncle or whatever, that's like, oh, all that stuff is garbage. Get, get all that QAnon crap out of here. I guarantee you within 20 minutes, there will be absolute proof that there is undeniable connection between adrenochrome, psychedelics, uh, Freemasonry, MK Ultra. It's it's all going to be there. So go and follow me on YouTube.com slash Paranoid American. And as soon as I can get an edited version that YouTube will allow, allow me to post, uh, I'll start blasting that out. Right on. Heck yeah. All right, gents. Until next time. Peace.